church say amen every time that you walk in lord knows i need saving yeah whenever you do it like that you do it like that oh lady oh your body got me praying kisses got me losing patience my god when you do it like that when you do it like that First, I gotta say I'm thankful yeah. Every time a nigga get up, get up in your temple Girl, you know your blast from your head down to your nail yeah. To your nail Body like a sanctuary Hello and thanks again for tuning in to a new episode of Change the Subject I am your host, BJ Find me on all things social at BJ. That's D-E-R-G-O-B-J Definitely follow the show The show is only on Instagram at the subject change. And you can find the show on many hostings. That is Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And I believe that is it. Oh, Anchor. You can find it on Anchor too. So definitely subscribe, leave me a rating, and tell me how I am doing with this show. I have a very, very great topic. But first, I have to introduce <laughs> a guest today. I have somebody who is near and dear to my heart, one of my closest friends, who probably should be podcasting too, but <laughs> we'll get it. to that at the end of the episode. But um, my friend Ashley Richardson is here today. How are you, ma'am? I am doing wonderful. How are you? I am great, and I am Good. so happy to have you here today to talk about a lot. But Woo! first, kind of <laughs> give people an introduction to who you are and what you're into and all of that beautiful yeah. stuff. Who am I? I am probably an overeducated for no apparent reason. <laughs> um, I mean, I work in higher ed. I've been working in higher ed for probably about 11, 12 years. Um, also, I am a student for, I think, the fourth time now. So mm-hmm. I am in seminary school and I am working on a master's in biblical studies and interpretation. Oh, and that's what's up. Yeah, it's exciting. It's interesting and exciting all at the same time. And I am a woman, a... I am a lover. I'm a friend. That's just who I am. You know, I am all of those things right, and more. Right. You are still the only friend I have of your kind. What like, do you mean by that? <laughs> I, I think I told you that we very first met. Like you're the only person who um, has a profession of that level of responsibility. You deal with the corporate world. Mm-hmm. I don't have any friends like that. So, like, it was times where, like, I would have, like, certain issues in life and you would say, well, yeah. no, B, you're not doing it the right way. Or, no, B, you can't wear that there. You have to do this. <laughs> this fashion and, conversation? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, clothing and all of those different things that I remember talking to you about when we had yeah. initially started our friendship. But the reason why I have you here is because I'm sure... And even your, like, job of higher education, there are some discriminations against women. <sighs> Oh, so tell me about it. <laughs> um, I don't even think it's just being, I think particularly for where I work, it's not just being a woman. I think it's being a black woman that makes oh, it even worse okay. yeah. um, because I'm in rooms with mostly white men. Okay. And I have noticed that depending on what I'm saying and how I'm saying it, that it's over, it's not heard or um, 
I'm just not respected or valued in that same arena. And I think what makes it even worse is being a black woman is that you can speak about something with passion and it's automatically coined like you're angry. Angry. Right? Yeah. And it's a bit disheartening and frustrating, um, to be honest. But it is what it is. Like mm-hmm. all what I always say is that we make a decision to work in the environments we work in, which means we're going to take in what that means. And it's not always the best thing in the world, but it's always a lesson and it builds character to me. Yeah. So um I have always been told, like, the sweethearts in meetings throws me off. Like, if we're talking and dialoguing about a topic and we're trying to reach a solution and you sweetheart me, don't sweetheart me. I'm not your sweetheart. You know, and I have had very, very direct conversations with men that I work with to say, I am not your sweetheart. Because at that moment, it's a bit condescending because you're almost trying to put me back in my place. Oh, wow. Wow. It's like, sweetheart, no. And it's like, who are you talking to? Like, right, look, right. I am still from Six Mile and Grass shit. Like, let's <laughs> <laughs> be clear. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. I never really realized that that that's what that was. I mm-hmm. used to take that as flirtation. Coming from a sixty-year-old white man, I don't think it's flirtation, Brandon. I think it's a uh, let me try to soften this for you, man. Let me try to no, I don't. Oh wow! Because in that moment, my feminism doesn't matter. Like, because mm. I am at that point, I am making a point that doesn't matter if I'm man or woman. But right, if you right. try to bring it back to that, then I, I have literally in meetings said, I would prefer if you do not call me, sweetheart, <laughs> right, please. Okay. And as we were just talking, let's move to the next topic. Okay, wow. So, yeah, it makes you, I mean, that discrimination definitely makes a woman more aggressive, if anything. And that I see why. Like, they are trying to minimize or marginalize women as a whole mm-hmm. in so many different facets. So, that did make a lot of sense to me. Um. You said that you were going for the degree yeah. and um, you're attending Moody, the Bible Institute. I am. What is that like? <laughs> um, it's interesting because um, I'm one of few brown faces. That's okay. the first thing um, because it's more of a higher credit. It's ATS accredited, which is one of like the highest accreditations you can have when it comes down to a seminary school. Okay. Um, but it is enlightening. To be completely honest, I am enjoying every bit of the time I don't have to do anything else but study. But um, for me, it has been a growth spiritually. Like, I, you know, you think you hit a certain level and you're good. It's like, nah, bruh, let's right, keep going. Right, let's keep digging right. deeper. And so for me, it's um, made me, it's created a platform for me to really dig deep into the word and what it means and interpret it and to be able to apply it and almost apply it to my life and to others. So um, it created a platform for me to dig deeper, more than just church, more than just Bible study, Mm -hmm. more than just, you know, the Bible app on your phone and doing plans. I think all of those things are great. But also for me, it just, um, it affirmed my love for the word, but also it just gave me a platform to invoke thought. Oh, okay. Okay, so, like, so far, like, do you see, like, a plan already? I get asked this question a lot. And um, not necessarily because I'm trying to let God lead me into that because I feel like a lot of times people can get caught up on titles and what they think you should be doing or what you want to do. And you get, you lose sight of the process. Okay. And so for this, I'm trying to be very cautious and mindful to be mindful of the process. So um, I don't necessarily see myself like I'm not, I don't see myself being a pulpit preacher, to be honest. Like I don't need to be in a pulpit every Sunday. Day. Right. But I think that there is value and power in being a woman, a guy, and being a millennial at the same time. Oh, okay. Um, and so a lot of stuff what I've been doing now has been outreach. 
okay. evangelism right, right. and has been a lot of mentoring. I mean, I've done some Bible studies and I mean, like I have a knack for speaking because it just comes down with like nature of my job as well. Okay. But um, I don't necessarily see an exact path, but I know I'm going to become a minister, you know, and get no, ordained. Um, but beyond that, I haven't really honed in on exactly what I want to do yet. Okay. What's the reception like so far with the outreach? Has it been resisted ever or is it like some type of um, discomfort that comes from a woman actually telling you what it is that you may need to consider or to take heed to due to the fact that you just said like because it comes from a woman is mm-hmm. those issues of ego and misogynist behavior like those things play a part in how people receive mm-hmm. the word or the lesson from the woman has that ever been like a, a rejection at all um not i would say maybe more than like a microaggression point where someone may not verbally say something but their body language tells, and their it. T- tells it all okay so like um for instance i did a bible study at church a few weeks ago and one of the older gentlemen that belongs to the church he was just talking to me he was just so curious to know how was i so well spoken about this particular topic and because when I look younger than what I am, <laughs> and then right. on top of that, he was like, you know, you really speak like a preacher. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? Because it wasn't coming from a place of, oh, no, you speak really. It was like, how do you speak like almost like he was saying I speak like men. And I'm like, I don't, though. Like, I'm talking because I have the knowledge base that a man normally would have in that avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's all it's sometimes question of how did you get there? Yeah. You know, so um, in that instance, I just said I am a theology student. Right. And I was like, and I love the word like anyone else. So I'm not sure what exactly you're trying to say. Yeah. So I have no problem addressing things directly and head on because <laughs> yeah. Well, since you say you have no problems uh, addressing things head on, we're going to get into a brand new segment called Q-A-N-A. Which stands for questions, answers, and alternative. It's only one alternative. The reason why it's one alternative, because if you get one of these five questions and you cannot answer it, you can opt for the alternative, but you just don't know what kind of question that is. Okay, so ready? I got to answer all five questions? All five questions. (laughs) (laughs) I be all All right. All right. So question number one, as a Christian woman. What could you work with the best? A man with too many kids or a man with a serious issue? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, describe serious nah, issues. You gotta- <laughs> I would honestly say... Um, <laughs> A man with too many kids. I mean, too many kids ain't a serious issue because I feel like at some point it should become a concern. But a man with too many kids, the issue Mm -hmm. could be the baby mamas. That's too many people. Okay, that's too many factors involved. You just answered my question for me. I want to say a man with a serious issue because I feel like at certain points we all have issues that we have to deal with. And if you're willing and able to work through those things, then it could be a testimony. Oh. Great answer. Great answer. Okay. Number two, gold teeth or rotten teeth? You know, we're going to go with rotten teeth because we can take those boys <laughs> out. We can put some dentures in. We can get some veneers and we can be popping. You know All what right. I'm saying? Like, we're right. okay. I don't need no Southern. With, no, hey, no, thank you. Hey, man. Ain't nothing wrong with the Southerner. Shout out hey, to know, my Southern folks. I lived in folk. Tennessee for oh, a minute and yeah. the gold teeth was real. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no offense, no, right. no offense to anyone right. that does it. It just ain't my cup of tea. Okay, so question number three is dominant or submissive? 
In terms of what? Which one do you prefer more? In a man? In period. Just however you see the words. I can't say both. I'll give you that because okay. I can see myself saying both yeah. too. I think um, dominant in general because I I have, I'm a type A personality, you okay. know, and um, I, while I am an independent woman, quote unquote, you know, I still think there is a certain level of beauty in a man leading a household. Oh, and, wow, that's great. Um, taking on that, you know, taking on that task. So while I am a leader in work, I'm a leader in a lot of other areas of my life. I don't have a problem submitting to my husband. Okay. Okay. And I'll say that. All right. But I also think that there is a moment and it's in a word, you know, that, you know, it says wives submit to your husband, but also tells them to make sure that you're listening, understanding them as well. So just not to the point where, um, sidetrack. Have you seen love and marriage? No, I want, I want to watch it too. It is very interesting because it, because it's, it's about like, it literally deals a lot with like gender roles in the home and in marriage. And I think to the point where if you're open and willing to listen and understand and we can be collaborative because it's not necessarily about me being behind you, but being on the side of you, but also understanding there's power in you leading our home. Right. Okay with that. Right. Right. I wanted to watch it, but I, Mm -hmm. I always have a reservation because I just, I'm just scared of hearing the repetition of women saying like men are controlling they just want to do this they want to mm-hmm. do that they don't want to you know listen and all of these different like calamities within relationships just starts to resurface over and over again yeah, so i right. try to just abstain from it period <laughs> and focus on what i want to improve within self so i definitely like wanted to see it but i just wanted to do it on my own terms when i can actually you know, prepare and accept what I could hear, you know, coming from it. So um, I'm definitely going to check it out now that you may mention of it. Yeah, because interesting enough, the reason why I found out about it was another podcast that I listened to. Mm -hmm. They mentioned it in there and they mentioned it in reference to gender roles and like how there's one couple in particular who the man works, the wife is at home Mm -hmm. and she wants to get back into the workforce. And um, he is like, no, you are here. I can go out and make more money if that's what you think. And she's like, no, I want to add value in a different kind of way. And he is like shooting her down every step of the way he's almost like let me drag you like he's almost like back in the stone age like let me throw you over my shoulder because you're mine and i run things and it's like he's not hearing her he's not respecting her her like just her words and what she wants to accomplish or even hearing her out he's so focused on if you go into if you go and start working who's supposed to take care of the kids because he doesn't feel like he should have to watch his own children oh yeah um he doesn't Mm. feel as if like if you do that then how are you gonna have time for me and so it's a selfish, it's coming from a very selfish space. So it's very interesting to listen to the dynamics because they're Southern, you know, Southern, you know, relationships and marriages are just, not all of them are different, but I think they mm-hmm. have an element of just as very different from, yeah. you know, just what we were raised on. Yeah. That Bible belted type. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I never really could get with that either. So I get what you're saying. And I think the larger, I think if, if, a, if, a, if a husband and a wife make a decision to, you're going to work, I'm going to stay at home, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think the problem is that he's not hearing her. Right, Like right. he's not even valuing what she's saying because he's so caught up in what he wants and he desires. Yeah. And I think that's a larger issue that I have with Yeah. Him. Okay. Oh, I lost the question I was about to go to. I think we on number four. Oh, we on number four. Okay, number four is what kind of, per- no. Take that word out. We're going to change it. I know I wrote it down, but I fucked it up. 
Okay, number four. <laughs> what kind of woman would you rather be, petty or shady? I feel like we all got a little pettiness in us, you know? And I would say petty because petty is transparent. You can see petty. You can't always see shadiness. Okay. All right. Great <laughs> answer. Great answer. So I be, I think we all a little petty, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Okay. Number five is another would you rather. Oh, would gosh. you rather marry marriage potential with a little dick or... <laughs> All right, let's start. Let's try this again. Okay. Would you rather marry marriage potential with a little dick or have a husband with a big dick that keeps losing his job? Can I? That's my alternative right there. I need another question. Because <laughs> um, that one right there is, I mean, cause just because you you are blessed in certain ways, that's not necessarily no, mean you know how to work that blessing. That's the first thing. True shit. Well, uh, you just answered the question. But even still, though, like, why he got to keep losing his job? <laughs> does, he gotta, does, he, does he have a hustle mentality? Does he have a side hustle? Is he an entrepreneur? Like, can we add, can we, can we add on we layers to this? Hey, look, we can't amend the question. <laughs> so you want to go for the alternative? I would take the alternative for $100, right. Alex. Thank you. All right. If you had to choose one person to have an affair with, who would it be? Would it be the head deacon who's wife is your best friend or be the head pastor whose wife is on her deathbed can i go back to the original <laughs> question <laughs> Ooh, i have to i have to choose yes you have to choose <laughs> oh this is awful god knows my heart um he knows that I have been coerced into these qu- line of oh questions without being aware of what this particular line was going to be previously. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the original question because I'm not touching that one. <laughs> um, I would say potential. Potential. I'd marry. I mean, I, I hate I hate the phrase marrying potential because right, right. it's almost like you are praying and hoping that someone changes okay. versus marrying who they are. Right, but if right. those are the options I'm left with, yeah, I guess I marry potential. Hey man, Whew, I appreciate that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you for being a good sport, you know, because um that is kind of like what we're getting into for today's topic. We want to talk about sexism in the church and how so many different instances that women face and even their spiritual walk is discriminative. There's a lot of margins being placed on women in church. And I really didn't even realize this until, um, until recent times where like I've been like binge watching Greenleaf and it's not exact to the black church, but there are some realities and a lot of the things that I'm seeing in the church with how the men kind of manipulate the ministry for their own obsessions with power and position. And it's kind of like leave, it kind of leaves the woman in this like damsel in distress or how I don't even really know how to word it, but it, it kind of like shows the woman not living up to what could have been her full potential. Mm hmm. And it's all because the the man's ego is so prominent in this space that we exist in where we're supposed to be seeking some kind of spiritual feeding or guidance. So, mm-hmm. like, in your opinion with the church, like, how has 
the church as a whole been to you on this journey of trying to rediscover your love for the word and mm-hmm. your your position of um of ministry not necessarily wanting to be a preacher mm-hmm. but wanting to give the word to those who are in need of it still minister just in a, not not in a leadership capacity right, right. every like when i say pulpit preacher like not somebody that's in the pulpit every sunday like right, right. congregation yet um honestly it has been it's been very supportive i mm-hmm. think because my pastor and first lady are very progressive in a lot of different ways. Like I'm able to have very transparent conversations with them that I don't necessarily think you could probably have maybe 30 years ago in a church. Right. Um, but in the same capacity, my pastor has told me like, if you want to lead a church, you can, he was like, you have that gift, you have that power to do so. So I don't necessarily think to a certain extent, those roles are exact, Okay. Kind of like in our church. I mean, it takes it back to scripture too, though, for me. But um, honestly, I haven't had much static with it. Like it's okay. been pretty supportive in that wavelength. But interesting enough, so for school, right? Um, when we when you applied to school, there was this very very intrusive long application where I had to answer very very specific questions. Um, there were probably like three, four, five pages of questions that I had to answer. Okay. And a lot of their doctrine is that they don't they don't believe that a woman should be leading a congregation. Right. Right. And I remember talking to the guy that one of the deans um that works at the school about that, and it was. Uh, I don't know. I have a give and take about this because I think there's value in a in a in a leader. Okay. Definitely. Like if you have a message that God has ordained you to give and you have the spirit to do it and you're being obedient in that, then I don't think there's a problem with that. But I also think that I don't know. Like that one's that's always tricky for me. But I haven't had any static in particularly. But like right now, the program that I'm in, I want to go into like the MDiv program, which is like the next step up. And a lot of times they don't admit women into that program. Wow. And so we had a conversation about that. And it was like it was well, let me take that back. It was like the perception that that was the case. But as Mm. I talked to the dean about it, he said that's not really the case. More women don't go into that program is what it comes down to. So I've been supported, which is nice. Yeah. Um, because I can't imagine wanting to take this journey and being so excited about it and then being shot down because yeah. of a ego. Yeah, because I think that's ha- that has a lot to do with um the misinterpretations of a lot of these scriptures too. Because I was just um reading the uh, scripture. I think it's Second uh, Timothy, First Timothy three mm-hmm. and two, where it says it kind of like, in my opinion, was gender specific, mm-hmm. and it was saying that um. The pastor, which is the bishop, which is a pastor of a congregation, should mm. be a man with one wife. Yeah. So now because it's saying that it should be a man, mm-hmm. it's like it kind of disqualifies the woman from being or even following those desires with her training and teachings to mm-hmm. one day administer the word to her full c- capacity. So to me, it's kind of sexist. Yeah. In a sense. So I I have a couple of different things to say about that, because I think just because you don't have a title or you're not in front of it does not mean you're not adding just as much, if not more value right, than right. your male counterpart. Mm-hmm. So I think like even when it comes down to a marriage, you know, we say it like behind every man is what a strong woman making sure right. he gets there. So I think there is a silent value in that. I think there's silent power in it. Even when it comes down to being submissive as a woman in a marriage, I think being submissive does not make you weak. 
right, right. It does not make you weak at all. It just makes you understand where your power and where your value is. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the loudest person in the room. Right. So, I mean, like, so for me, I don't take that. But then I think about Genesis 2 and 23, where it talks about flesh, my flesh, bone of my bone. But he says, I take her out of man. And then then it also makes me go back to Genesis 5 and 2, where it says that he created male and female to be and bless them. And then um, they were created and then he called them man. So there is scripture that annotates that God has is referring to man and woman as, as man. man. Right. So I think a lot of times we take a lot of these scriptures into a certain level of context without really doing the interpretation that's behind it. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I'm not saying that what you like in first Timothy, that it's very clear, you know, even right. in second Timothy where you get in and it talks about the woman's role in the church. church yeah. It's very, very clear in terms of what you can't do. But I also think we have to take into context. This is the old Testament. That's right. the one. Um, and then secondly, within the oaths, we have to just take things into context and apply them to today. So I feel as if you are being obedient to God and you're being very clear in what that vision is, then that's what matters more because winning souls is the end goal right okay it doesn't matter who you winning them to as long as you winning them because at the end of the day if there are souls to be won and there are people that want to know christ even more then that's your duty first right as a right. servant of god right and i think that i think we lose sight of that because we focus responsibility right it's a responsibility to me so i don't necessarily I don't disagree with a man being the pastor and I don't disagree with a woman being a pastor. Like it's just, it is what it is. But to me, it comes down to what have you been called to do? Are okay. you walking in that purpose? Right. right. Um, and just because you're walking, just because you are a woman preaching does not necessarily mean that there's something wrong with that. You know, if you, I'm more concerned, are you walking in your purpose? Okay. That's so do what you comes think down to for me. when it comes down to like men predominantly being the person in the front, and in that leadership position have the men failed over time in regards to the winning of souls or the administration aspects of knowing how to pull out your best um, attributes or your best spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. like have do you think that men are good at seeing that because I've always known women Mm-hmm. to do this and so many different facets of my personal life yeah that's not necessarily the gift of the man so like by it being a man in leadership is he extracting yeah those things out of the congregation like he's supposed to do oh, that's a that's a loaded question um i think that sin has caused people to fail the church like i don't necessarily think it is one particular person. Well, I take that back. It has to be someone's. Yeah, it has course. to be somebody. It has to be somebody's at that point. And if they're the person that's doing it, I would say as a whole, the leaders of church in general have a responsibility. And I don't think sometimes that responsibility is met. Yeah. Okay. And I don't even think it comes down to, because honestly, my pastor is who pulled my gift out of me. You know, so um, I think it also it just comes to know it. I think it comes down to where are you in your walk? Because just because you have this title and you have this responsibility and you have this job does not mean you are in a space in your relationship with God that you probably should have that title and that job. So if you're in tune with the spirit and what God is telling you and following that and being obedient, then you should be able to see the same thing anybody else would see. That is interesting that you say that is because I think that like um, a lot of us in the church base our decisions on you know who we choose as a leader based on like chemistry Mm -hmm. um like in some instances does he make you feel good about yourself does he 
like encourage you. Like I've I've had like a series of like memberships to churches where I left with church hurt. Mm. So like immediately once I found somebody that made me feel good about myself and you know, told me that you're amazing and you have a gift and you are called by God to do. Everybody wants to be called by God for something. Yeah, of course. Period. So, like, as long as you're telling me that I have, you know, the potential of getting Jesus on the main line, yeah. I'm, like, excited. But yeah. then once I became a member, there was, like, the the corporate aspect of church began to set in where you're trying to, like, figure out my preferences and what I would like to see in my partner, because yeah. you want me to marry within the church so that if, in fact, this woman decides to marry, she won't have to move with wherever her husband comes from because he comes <laughs> from the same household. Yeah. Like it, it, it gets tricky with, you know, the connections to your leadership. So, like, is there something is there like a guideline for people to know? Okay, you're a person that I'm supposed to follow. Like, how do mm-hmm. you like know without feelings being involved mm-hmm. that this person should be my leader? I think you need to first ask God. I mean, when it comes down to it, like this is where a relationship is so important. And mm-hmm. I think finding comfort. So, for instance, I didn't really join like I didn't grow up in church at all. Right. Like, right. so I didn't step foot into a church until I think I was in my 20s. OK. You know, so like we did vacation Bible study when we was kids because it was something to do during the day. Right. But, um, honestly, like I don't, so a lot of people have different views and backgrounds of what may have happened to them when they were younger. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have that same, um, experience to pull from, I guess. Right. So for me, when I was looking for like a home church, I was looking for somewhere that challenged me, not somewhere that made me feel good. Okay. So, um, I wanted to be challenged. And my biggest thing has always been, I need a teacher, not a motivational preacher. Right, right. So I think when it comes down to it, you should have a list of things that you are looking to gain from your fellowship within the four walls of a church. And what does that look like for you? And make sure these are not lists that are coming from just what you desire, but also what you feel like God needs from you. So -hmm. if you know that, like, so for me, for instance, I've always belonged to large churches. And I remember people being like, well, we don't know our pastor. And I remember him saying, you don't need to know me. You need to know God. Like, I'm here to help you get closer to God. Knowing me is not as important as your relationship with God. And I understood where he was coming from Mm. with that. And it was a different way to look at it. But I hid in that church. Like, I knew I had a calling. I knew I had gifts. And I literally was able to just do whatever I wanted to do. Because if I missed a couple Sundays, nobody was checking for me. You know, versus now, I'm part of such a smaller congregation that I can't hide. So for me, um, I'm had to make that pivot into a smaller church for my own growth potential. Because I can't say that... I'd be where I'm at right now if I didn't have the support of my pastor. Wow. That's an interesting way to look at that because um, for you guys listening, where Aretha Franklin's funeral was at Greater Grace Temple, yeah, um, I had an experience there where that bothered me that I couldn't have that relationship yeah. with the pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you not know him? Like, how do you not get to correspond with the person that is responsible for your soul at this yeah. point? So, like, that was my reason for not joining. But now mm. that you've made it yeah. clear that it's really not about him, it's no. about the relationship with God, yeah. it's like, well, damn, well, maybe I missed <laughs> out 
Wow. Okay. No, I mean, because it was a very, because I mean, because I went to Triumph. So anyone that's in the Metro Detroit area, oh, you know, yeah. Triumph has like 18 campuses now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think when I was there, we had five campuses. Right, right. And I went to Triumph for like three, four years. Mm-hmm. And I was involved. But I mean, in that moment, we didn't know. I didn't know Pastor Kenlock personally. Right. You know, like I seen him. And after a while, because I was so involved, that he recognized me and we would speak. But I didn't have that same level of, but I also think there is a balance. Because I think as a leader, you need to be reachable. Oh, right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like when people need you, they need to be able to reach you Mm -hmm. in that capacity. But I also think that we put too much... I think we put too much um, responsibility on a pastor versus putting it on ourselves, having a relationship with God. Right. Now, one thing that makes those those connections, whether they be directly to or just, you know, having a placement where you say you can't hide. Mm -hmm. In some instances, the relationships between people in the church are complicated due to sexism, like, you know, harassment, mistreatment when it comes to that. And I'm realizing that that is what prominently is a fear for men and a trauma for women. That's fair. Now, fear for men being because... If you just so happen to be that man, the guy that you say you are, mm-hmm. you never want to be confused as that person who is taking advantage of a woman so that you, you kind of fear the connection. You don't, you don't want to be seen in a room with people on a one on one when this person that's going through this trauma may just need that privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have those moments where the church knows this particular woman's reputation. But the pastor doesn't necessarily care. So just seeing them, him with the power and then her with the promiscuity, it looks confusing. Mm-hmm. Like those moments play significant parts of why there's such a disconnect from God and the ultimate purpose that we go to church. Yeah. So like how how has sexism in your idea um, affected relationships with the brothers and sisters in Christ and with God? Oh, you hit me with all these heavy questions, B. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, though, because as a single woman, mm-hmm. I move very cautiously, even with like my pastor and I have a pretty close relationship, but so does my first lady and I. Mm-hmm. But within that, like he's kind of like a mentor to me. So we talk, we have conversations and I have noticed like others reactions, mm-hmm. like when we're having those conversations, because we have two locations. So we're part of like the second growing location. And so whenever I go to like the main campus, um, the I think because people are just not familiar with like our our relationship and our bond in that way, mm-hmm. um, that they are like, oh, wait a minute, like what you mean she's your two like but she's a woman, you know, kind of deal. Right. And he's like, well, y'all don't know the power she got, so it doesn't matter what she is. Like I know the call that she has on her life, but I think again, I think I'm very lucky within that aspect, but I'm still very mindful because I never want a moment to hit where someone. Whenever you put a man and a woman in the same room for too long, people are going to come up with assumptions anyway. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just, for me, I just try to ignore those things, especially if I know them not to be true. Because at the end of it, um, everyone will be talked about. Everything, things will be said, period, about you. But when it comes down to it, um, God will correct all of that. So there is no point in you playing God in that, in that facet. Right. But I also think that there is a stigma that exists because, like I said, I move cautiously. Like, I try to make sure that I'm not around any married male figure in my church by myself for too long or too consistently that can give the different perception mm-hmm. or to even give him the wrong impression right you know within that um but i think that's more so for me and being single and having those same things spill over in my personal life where 
I may not be the person that is able to be around my friends, boyfriends or husbands because I'm single or I've lost relationships with men because I'm the single friend and I'm cute and I got myself together. So Mm -hmm. they feel like, I don't know what it comes down to, but it's like, nah, she can't be your friend anymore. Kind of deal. Right. Right. So, um, that's a whole other conversation though. (laughs) That's crazy because I remember like singles ministry, singles ministry for me, the experience was very whack. whack. It's whack. It's almost, (laughs) It's almost toxic because the thing is, is like, on one hand, they're telling you, like, you have no business being around, you know, married people when you're single because they only view it to be disrespectful. But it's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I be like, because being around married people is also an influence. Of course. You know, you should be learning. You should be learning. Yeah. So it's like, why separate the singles from the the married people when the ultimate goal is for the married people to be the influence i agree um (laughs) oh gosh so i remember i just had a flashback like when i was going to triumph we used to have like all of these single ministry events Mm -hmm. so we would have like these panels um and then after the panels there'll be like almost like a cocktail party after but it wasn't really a cocktail party we was at church so it was like a mocktail Mm -hmm. (laughs) party and um it was majority all women there was never a lot wow. of men there. Um, and it wasn't like I was going for the sake of interacting with a man for the sake of finding one. Right, but I right. think I think the perception of singles ministry means that you're going to go to the singles ministry. And while you're here, you're going to meet a man and y'all ain't going to be single anymore. Right, that, right. That's like the perception. But I think what it, it should be refocused to be support and guidance and how to navigate life as a Christian and being single. But I don't think that's usually, that's not that's a not, lot of the focus. That's not how it's promoted at it's all. It's not how it's promoted. No. Like, I think, but I think that's how it should be. Because if you are trying to get to the point of being married, if that's what you desire, you know, then you should be learning and growing to get closer to that point. Yeah. And yeah. you're right. Part of that is interacting with people that are married. Right. And um, having conversations and very honest conversations. Um, And part of that is having support of other singles around you to know that you're not by yourself in that. So I think there's a balance mm. of both. I think everything comes down to a balance. A balance or a proper balance. Yeah. I remember um having a conversation in um one of the churches that I had some of the church hurt from. And I remember um, a lot of the men saying one thing in the pulpit and they're saying something totally different on a one-on-one. And one thing that really confused me is one day we were at a, what was it? I forget what it was. I think it was something in celebration of women. But because it was the women's day, the men did like the cooking or the cleaning or whatever. And we were taking out some of the trash. Yeah. And one of the ministers said something to me that was very disturbing. And he was just like, I know that um, when I get home, I'm going to be blessed and highly favored for all this work I'm doing for her on her day. And I'm like, well. You should be blessed and highly favored every day. Every day. When he said it. But he looked at (laughs) you like, you know, she going to pop something or she going to twerk something at the crib. It wasn't like. Like, she working me too hard. I know she going to, like, let me watch TV, get off my back. It was just like, she going to do something. Oh, he want a slim fine yeah. woman with some twerking her? All right, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when he said it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's his wife. So I leave confused. Yeah. I leave confused. And so um, my- Because I want to put a pin in that. Almost like he it was him doing a favor. Favor. Yeah. Not I got him you. actually honoring her. Honoring. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I think that that has always been, like, the mindset of men in certain instances when it comes to women 
um, in church because it's almost like even in church, women are made to feel like they're unworthy of a man actually honoring and supporting and giving that unconditional love for those gifts and those sacrifices that these women are making mm-hmm. for the good of the church and for God. I feel like you need to find a new church then because <laughs> well, that yeah. shouldn't, that shouldn't be how you are left feeling. That's right. crazy to me. Right. Be- but I think it comes, it goes down to back in, I mean, it just goes back to history and mm-hmm. how the, the gender roles have been painted and right, right. how I'm doing you a favor. Almost like it goes, even, I even think about like watching kids. Like I'm watching my kids. You're not watching your kids. They're your children. They're your children. But you know, for a lot of them, like, yeah, I'm watching the kids. It's like, it goes to that like well you'll never hear a woman say i'm watching the kids like oh no the kids are with me right now so no right, i can't do right. that a man will be like yeah i'm watching the kids i'm watching these kids right yeah now. you know so i right. think it's a lot of just gender roles and how we just need to debunk some of them i think some of them are fair to have and that's okay but i also think that it's it just puts unnecessary labels mm-hmm. on things because when it comes down to a marriage and in a relationship it's it's a give and take on both ends. It's not right. like I'm not giving you everything I have in me for you to leave me with nothing in return. Like you need to be filling me up like I'm filling you up. Right. And it'd be and I mean and I think it comes down to cuz like I even had a conversation with um one of my friends not too long ago because she's a minister and her husband is like more so kind of laid back he's he's a believer he goes to church you know he reads his word but she's more of like the leader in that capacity when it comes down to that right and he doesn't necessarily have any concern or issue with that but i think it takes for a certain type of man um to be okay and to be comfortable with her maybe having more of the spotlight than him Right. Without his ego being bruised, because it's not because even in that capacity, like the conversation that we had, it wasn't even necessarily that, oh, yeah, we're doing this. Yeah, we're doing that. And yeah, when I come home, she better have A, B and C together. She said, because no, at the end of the day, like he still is the head of my household. I don't care what my title is at the end of the day. So I think it just comes down to like the dynamics of relationships. And as we shift those, we can shift the role in the church. Okay. Because I don't think it'll happen because those things kind of, they're very, they're so similar and parallel and how they're viewed that we can't really mess with one without the other. And we have to kind of like equalize the things that matter to us in a relationship due to the fact that like pretty much when you hear people saying what's the most important things in a relationship, it's always sex. (laughs) It's always sex. It's never. Intimacy is important. Yeah. For some. Yeah. You know, but then you have those moments where you deal with people who try to demonize just the, you know, the human, the human side of self where we are sexual beings. So then we are. So God then, made us that way. Right. So <laughs> you hear these things and it's like, well, sex, 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 sex is like the forefront. But then the church is so busy telling you that sex is a sin, not necessarily a temptation within yourself that can cause you to sin. Mm-hmm. So you really don't know how to prioritize sex in a relationship. That's real. And it goes to so many different directions when you talk about a sexual relationship because chemistry, communication, all of these things play. Friendship. A, friendship <laughs> plays yeah. an important part in a sexual experience. Mm-hmm. So do you think the church should be a little bit more responsible on having sex education? In that regard, because this is the reason why so many, you know, so many women in the church or even men for that matter are still saying that same thing of I'm just waiting on the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
because you're not being you're not being dealt with appropriately for mm-hmm. those feelings on the inside of yourself. Well, I don't think the church has ever really allowed for that conversation to happen. I think it's almost been a command. Wow. Where it's set, you don't have sex until you get married. No one really explains why. No one under no one explains the value of intimacy. Right. No one right. really tells you why it's why you should wait or what the value is in waiting. You're just mm-hmm. told not to do it. So I think we've really, really missed the boat. <laughs> um, a lot of times within really delving deep into that conversation. So absolutely, I think sex education needs to happen from a biblical standpoint yeah. of understanding why. You know, mm-hmm. so even like for myself, like, I mean, I'm 34, I'm single still and I'm celibate. I have mm-hmm. no intentions on having sex again until I get married. Right. But within that, whenever I'm dating, it is almost like the plague. You Do you yeah, hear me? People yeah. will run from it, will judge you for it, will talk all types of crap. And I'm sitting here like, you got your own stuff, I got mine. So don't judge me for taking my path. And then people ask me why I made the decision that I made. Right. And it's just so interesting to see like some of the, just the feedback that you get. But I think this is an opportunity that we have, that we need to have these conversations and dialogue. Because if we're not having them, if they're not prevalent within the church, then how are we expecting our youth or even adults to have health? healthy sexual relationships and communications exactly to be honest one of my very first not acts but one of my very first sexual experiences happened at church what and um it was a it was a church play at i'm not gonna even say the church name i was gonna say the church name we gonna (laughs) leave you all anonymous god bless you and may the lord keep you Please, it please. was a church that I was going to, and we had a church play. And the way that the church is set up, um, there was a stage on the inside of the sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. So um, on the main level of the um, church, there was the sanctuary, and then it was also like a lounge area for the woman. It doubled as like a lounge space and a bathroom. Okay. So the women that were in the play were in the lounge area doing their wardrobe changes. Mm-hmm. Because that's the main bathroom on the main floor, it made it difficult for the people there to see the play actually use the bathroom. So okay. they moved the women downstairs to the the largest Sunday school room, which is where the men were initially congregating once they changed in the men's bathroom. Okay. So me and this uh, this other young boy... Um, I can't remember his name offhand, but every time we would do our wardrobe changes, we would go sit in the Sunday school room and chill until they came up and said, okay, this is your scene. But when we came out of the bathroom, the door was locked. Mm-hmm. So we like, well, who locked the door? We thinking this one of the other boys playing the joke. They locking us out of the Sunday school room. So it was a door on each end. So we just walked around to the other door to possibly try to get in to the other end. And that door was locked too. Come to find out without us knowing the women had to move into the room. They moved the other boys out to another area and we just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So on this door that we walked around to, there was a peephole that had been broken out of the door that we had walked around to. So I just so happened out of curiosity to see who possibly locked us out. I look in the peephole to see who's on the inside. And all I see is nothing but women in stockings, panties, no bras, just breasts everywhere. <laughs> and yeah, it's just the honest, you know, mistake. Yeah. It wasn't even with the intent 
of sexualizing them, but I'm at a prime sexual age. I'm a teenager. So mm-hmm. like I'm looking like, damn. And so when the other boy, matter of fact, his name was Lamont. Shout outs to you wherever you are. May God bless you. May the Lord keep you. Hey, what up, Mike? <laughs> Lamont noticed that I'm staring in the peephole a lot longer than I probably <laughs> should have. So he like, what you looking at? He pushed me out the way. And immediately when he saw what I saw, he verbalized, damn. Mm-hmm. Like he got excited. And yeah. so somebody on the inside heard him. And when they came towards the door, we took off running. Of course, yeah. Now, from that moment, everything about my manhood shifted at that point. It was almost like, okay, you you feel that sense of entitlement. I just seen so-and-so and so-and-so and exposed. No, I wasn't supposed to, but I seen it. Yeah. So what? And it's just like now your your chauvinistic characteristics begin to show. In the back of your mind, when one of them say something that you don't like, you know, shut up. You know, you you sexualizing them. I seen you, and you ain't all that. You ain't this. You ain't that. Like, you start to mm. have those egotistical things going on in your mind. And I never really had a, I never had a nerve to ask, like, or even mention that that even happened. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just stuck with yeah. these feelings. And, like, nowhere in that walk from that moment on... Did anybody introduce me into integrity, morality, you know, knowing how to abstain? Because we got to address the born again Christian women that always become born again Christians when her and her nigga break up. (laughs) We can get there. We (laughs) we got to get there. Yeah. But like you never have those moments where people address those issues along the way for you to correct something that happened to you. When you were nine and 10 and 12 years old. Yeah. I think that um, that's such an interesting story and perspective of how you were able to tie all of that back and how mm-hmm. like you reacted and what it almost like ignited inside of you. Right. Right. After that. But I think it's because we don't create a platform to have those conversations on. So who would you even feel comfortable with in that moment going to say, hey, this is what I saw. Right, right. I know I wasn't really supposed to see it, but hey, this is what it's bringing up in me. Like mm-hmm. we're not, cre- we're, we don't create those levels of platform, but I think I want to just kind of pause and shout out a book that I think is really, really good. Okay. So if anybody's really interested in like learning more about it, it's sex, Jesus and the conversation, the church forgot sex, Jesus and the conversation, the church forgot. Wow. It's a really good book. Excuse me, y'all. I'm writing this down as she's talking. <laughs> so I think, um, it's up to us at this moment now to be able to educate ourselves, to be able to help people that are coming behind us, you know, and be able to even educate ourselves and maybe correct some of the conversations we didn't have growing up. Right, right, right. And you're trying to figure it out. I mean, because even like we have conversations about what the birds and the bees, like that's so widely known. That's what I you do. I still haven't had that conversation. I don't think I ever did either, low key. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's more known, but no one talks about sex in a biblical sense. Mm hmm. And what does that mean for you as a believer? And what does that mean for your body? Because we're still human. We still have flesh. I am just saying Solomon divided two whole nations mm-hmm. because not necessarily just because of his sexual, you know, like right, his right. his sexual sin, but mainly because My, of his sexual sin. Right. <laughs> like, so if, if it's that strong to divide like the promised land and mm-hmm. the two nations, then of course it's strong enough for us to for us to be tempted and yeah, fail. And like let's be real. Yeah. Like it's just it's in the Bible. It's all over it. Right. So it's just a matter of us having the ability 
to understand like, yeah, I may not have enough understanding about this. And where do I get this knowledge from? Yeah, I think I would have been a totally different person if, in fact, I had those moments, because I remember like that that memory is vivid. Like I remember Mm. all of the things that I felt like it made me want to adjust who I was at that moment, because now that I've seen potentially because the girl at the time that I had a little crush on was in that room. Did she have a bra on, Brandon? I, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm going to leave that back in 13. But, All right, let's keep moving. But like I'm saying, like that moment, like you, you begin to discredit this girl for everything that you thought about her yeah. when she was pure, when all you seen was she was mm. cute in her little dress with her little ruffle socks on and whatever. Like you discredit everything about what you once felt or thought about her because now you seen her in her pure form and without any clothing on. So it's like sexuality has the has so many different techniques and tactics to tear your tear people's identities away from mm-hmm. you know themselves can i ask you a question what's that so um as you were talking something really just sp- came to me in my head and i just want to ask do you feel like that for you because of how and what you were taught that um she just didn't have that same level of purity anymore so almost yeah. like yeah you know how in relationships like a man can be known to be um unfaithful and it's accepted, but as soon as a woman do it, does it, yeah. it's like a whole nother yeah. kind. It's like a whole That's nother. It's like World World Three. Yep. So you think it comes back to like the roles that of mm-hmm. how a woman was introduced to you and yeah, you know, because sexual fair. education even in the household is fragmented. Because yeah, my thing with like the girl, which is pretty much like the person that I had my eyes on at that time, mm-hmm. before I seen her to judge her in any way. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think they tell us not to engage in premarital sex to begin with, because absolutely there are so many flaws in people's humanity that begins to be revealed once you reveal yourself to another person or blinded. Right. Exactly. So like when when I was able to see that and judge her for what I thought she would have been had she kept her clothes on or like all of these different things that you kind of play in your head. You don't look at yourself and say, I'm sexist as fuck. You're looking at her like, why can't she appease what I thought or my ego or what I felt like she should have had? Like, you're looking at her as if she victimized you. Mm -hmm. Like, she wronged you. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't have a man say, like, you need to first know yourself. Like, I think when we even look at how we attract women or how we approach women. It's all based on the fact of this is what you you should know what you want and go get it. Yeah. That's it. Like, know what you want and go get it. Not be within good standing so that you can keep the things that you want. Teaching them how to have integrity, how to be a man of God, how Mm -hmm. to know how to communicate your feelings so that if you do have an exchange with the woman, it's a conversation and not a debate. Like Mm -hmm. they don't teach you those things. They Mm -hmm. just teach you to be the predator and go after your prey. Absolutely. And like, like they teach you how to get married, but not how to stay married. Not how to stay married. Yeah. Right. So these conversations on education and these conversations on humanities is people that don't know what to do with those feelings. You think about sex, in the middle of the sermon. 
It's moments where something just radical hits your mind and mm-hmm. you don't know where it came from because yeah. you was just singing your favorite Fred Hammond song. <laughs> you don't know where these feelings came from. And right in the middle of service, here you are thinking about sex. Yeah. And you don't know how to challenge or even tackle those things and those issues. Mm-hmm. And then you blame the woman for it. Yeah. And that's what it, oh, that ties it right back to scripture. Um, so I think that's fair. I really think that is um, a fair assessment to say and to kind of just be able to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. That's real. But I think it also because we're not taught a strategy of what do you do when those sexual desires or thoughts hit your mind. Right, right. You're not taught that that is normal and that mm-hmm. it's going to happen. You're taught almost, it's, it's almost handled with shame. Yeah. You know, so then you you bury it. And you bury it even more. More. Yeah. (laughs) And then it comes out in other ways. So I think if we are, if we create platforms to be able to have conversations that engage the topic of sex um, in general, then you'll be able to understand that half of it is you feeling that you feel the way you feel and no one else feels that way. Yeah. Like it takes away that isolation. It definitely does because even the people who are married, they're still struggling with sex too mm-hmm. because it's been embedded in you for so long that it was a sin that you don't even enjoy it once you really get married. It's like limited to almost nothing when you even get married. And it is so many women who don't necessarily even find out what their true sexuality is until they're mature mm-hmm. and they've been purposed in so many different like facets of their life. They mm-hmm. actually come into a a spark of sex drive mm-hmm. the older that they get. And mm-hmm. now you've been married for 35 years and this nigga's a bum in the bedroom. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you don't really know what to do with that energy. So it, it's, it goes both ways. It, it goes does. for the saint and the center, you know, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Wow. Whew. I never would have thought that that much would come out of that question. Like, I really want to read that book now because yeah. like, not even knowing it, like, I could be the person that I am mm-hmm. because of that childhood incident. Yeah. Shameless incident. Not if somebody even- would have been able to capture that yeah. and direct you in a whole nother. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's interesting that you're able to say, now, this was the exact moment. Right. Of right. That. You know, but I think, I mean, there are so many different resources. You have to know where to find them. Like, also, there's this pastor, um, Saray Roberts, that is, he's a part of the Potter's House at 1LA. Okay. And he did this sermon on sexual wholeness. Mm. And so, and like, I mean, My- Michael Todd, he's the pastor of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He did um, the series called Relationship Goals. It's like a six-part series. And when I tell you, it's probably one of the best six, seven hours I've ever spent of listening to sermons. It's awesome. But within that, he has a sermon specifically about sex mm. and how we don't talk about it. So I think there are certain progressive people that are in leadership and ministry right. that are starting to address these conversations. We can go to Juanita Biome and talk about no more sheets and sexual soul ties and all of those things. Right, too. right. But the resources exist. We just have to be able to know where first where to find them and also be able to educate ourselves on them so we can let other people know about them. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's definitely great to know because I wouldn't have thought that it was even that much detailed information out there because like I said, it's still prominently taught. Yeah. That sex is a sin. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, I mean, we can all say that our sexual experiences were either good or bad or indifferent. We definitely can give the assessments, but I still think that we're looking for something when we're having those moments with other mm-hmm. people. And um, sex for me 
not only has it been gratifying, it's also been like awakening to certain insecurities, which, of course, we're going to get to one um, about the Christian woman that always goes back and forth mm-hmm. with her spirituality when it comes to a man that she's dating. Now, can I share a story? Yeah, go Who's ahead. How? Full transparency. So um, I would say that this is probably I think this is my second time like really taking a vow of like complete celibacy okay and um the first time around i was good i was in church every sunday bible study on tuesday read my bible throughout the week i'm all involved i'm a usher here i mean just completely engulfed in god and the word and because we're told you don't have sex until you get married i was like all right well since i'm on this path this is what i'm going to do mm-hmm. met a guy <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, this gentleman became a boyfriend. We dated for about a year and a half. And believe me, I was not on that path anymore um, <laughs> after a certain while. Um, but it was for a number of different reasons. I mm-hmm. think first, I think that um, I was doing it for the wrong reason. Okay. I was doing it because I was doing because I was told to do it. Right. Not necessarily because I found value. I found some value in it, but more so from the fear because it's a sin. And that's how it was presented. Right. Um, and then secondly, I didn't have boundaries with myself and with him. So he would be at my house. I'll be at his house. We'd be up under each other all the time. I mean, and when you're around someone like that, it's. I mean, it's only a matter of time yeah. before something of that nature would happen. Right. Um. So this time around, I have a very different view on it. Um, I look at it as almost like you, like you have a cake and you have this cake, but when you, when a cake is fresh and it just got iced mm-hmm. and it just looks good and no one's touched it, it, it looks just amazing. Like, oh, I don't want to be the first one to cut the cake, mm-hmm. you know, but then after, I mean, think of each slice gone as a person you've been intimate with. Wow. Wow. And then what do you have left? Wow. Mm. So for me, um, there is a soul tie attached to that level of intimacy. And that's why it's talked about so much in church, because we talk about sin in general. And we can say that all sin is sin. No sin is greater than another sin. But sex is the only sin that connects you right. to another person. To another person. So it comes with a certain different level of like attachment. Um, so for myself, I made the decision to say, I don't want to give any more of that piece of myself away to anyone until I married. Right, right. But everyone doesn't view that. I mean, there are people that I know that are literally probably way more spiritual than even I am at times. And they still are intimate with their partner. And that's just something like that. I can't do it. I don't know how to not to. And I think it just comes down to, for me personally, it was to having a certain value and holding that piece a little higher. And not as a care, oh, you'll get this when you do this, but more so that I value myself so much as that I don't want to be left with an empty plate. Right, when I get right, married. Right, right. And um and then also for me, it took me it gave me the opportunity to deal with some of that hurt and that pain and those soul ties that I had from men that I had been intimate with that may have been in a relationship, that may have not been in a relationship. You know, so I think that um this time around I made a very different decision for a very different reason. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I have boundaries. Yeah. Like you can't come to my house. Yeah. Like real talk. Like I'm not, cause I know me, I enjoy it. Like I'm not going to yeah. say, like, cause I'm not, you can't come to my home. We can't talk about, we can't talk after a certain amount of time. Like, and it's just not saying necessarily saying it always is going to be that way, but you need to be able to set boundaries that are going to protect you. And some people can say mm-hmm. that's too much. No one's going to do all of that. And you could be right. A lot of people won't be able to do all of that. All I need is one. 
I don't yeah, need more right, than one, right. you know? So for me, I, but I understand that because I'm taking this certain vow and I have certain boundaries that are important to me to make sure that I stay on path and on this task mm. that, um, it limits the dating pool for me. And does wow. that bother me? Absolutely, Absolutely not. No. Oh, it don't. Not in, be you know me i've dated like i mean no it doesn't bother me because for me i'm not dating for the sake of dating i want oh, so marriage the, and a husband right so the determination for dating has changed too absolutely completely oh, shifted. okay well i stand corrected because the reason why i was thinking that it, it would bother well i'll speak for myself i stopped like i don't even want to call it celibacy but i did stop messing around in any way with women mm-hmm. at a certain point because it impaired my judgments Mm-hmm. And you know, like you say, that soul tie where you're connected to another person, and then the cake analogy actually makes a lot of sense because depending on what type of cake it is, some people will cut a piece and wrap it and put it away so that the Ooh. whole cake won't be consumed and they can't get another piece. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, <laughs> it's like making sure that you have more than everybody else. Yeah, once everybody gets their dig in. So I get it. And it really does make sense to a lot of the things that I used to go through with women and always being connected to somebody. Yeah. I just wanted to friendly fuck. That's real. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's real. And that caused a lot of issue because it's like, yeah, you told her that's all you wanted, but it didn't control the soul tie, the connection to that person like yeah you say this is all we are doing it's a joint effort yeah of and course. what we decided to do but it doesn't change how we link to no. an- to another person so i get it i really do feel that when it comes to the breakup aspect because i've experienced even you know going back and forth between you know spirituality and then having a relationship. But for women, I think it's a little bit more detrimental due to the fact that figuratively when we say God or we say Jesus Christ, we're looking at a man that we believe to be the greatest, the great I am. Mm-hmm. He is Alpha and Omega. Yeah. So it's a parallel between the man of God and then God's children who you are pursuing to date and to join with. Mm-hmm. So for a woman, do you feel like... The reason why it's so easy to break abstinence is because it seems as if God becomes so far fetched. And then here it is, the man that you're that you see God in also being so far fetched. It's like I'm just tired of reaching for something. I I just want to be felt. I just want to be embraced. I just want to be like, is that like a parallel for that you can use for why people seem to break? their abstinence who um i my for me personally no okay because when i look at um when i look at god and i look at even the leaders that god chose in the bible and um i look at just leaders that i have that are just in human form mm-hmm. um no one is ever going to even even an ounce amount up to god okay like no one could ever um we're created in his image like we are taught to be like him and to have attributes of him, but we still have flesh. Right, right. You know, so we could never be him, you know, but that, but God is not requiring for us to be perfect. He's requiring for us to own who we are 
so we can grow and learn from that. Right. Um. Right. So for me, I don't look at a man and say, oh, yeah, like you got to be a B. Well, no, let me take that back, depending on what we're talking about. But um, I don't look at a man and say you have to be like just like Jesus in this way or just mm-hmm. like God in this way. Um, I need to be able just to recognize that there is a God in you and that you desire to have a relationship with him, okay. um, a constant relationship with him within that way. Because of where I'm going, like, I can't deal with certain type of guys. Like, that's just me. And I know that now. Right. But um, I don't compare the two in that way. I think because we're all on a journey um, of reaching a level of spirituality that requires I mean, that just acknowledges that, yeah, hey, I made it, but we really are never going to get there because it's a progress. Like it's going to be it's a constant circle. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to we're going to be great at certain times. We're going to fall at certain times. We're going to sin. We're going to not sin. You know, I'm like, it's going to it's never going to be you're never going to be without sin. Right. You're never going to be without like fault. So who am I to put that on you? Yeah, true. So true. I don't look at it necessarily like that way, but I think the the feeling of wanting to be touched and just wanting to be around somebody is real because I feel like that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like that's just real, but I understand my purpose and a guide in me is so much is so much more greater than that sexual desire. But that's me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think people fall and falter because society tells you that it's not normal that you can go without it like everything is so over sexualized so when a society and society is in front of your face on social media on tv you know like in the shows that we binge watch on netflix Mm -hmm. and people that we follow on instagram um on commercials just in general so i could it's it's a difficult balance so you have to recognize that while society may be telling you that this is okay it's okay to believe that it's not okay yeah true. you know what i'm saying like so i mean you have to it's a if you want to follow society cool go with it you know but that's how you end up in situationships and your feelings get hurt you end up with people you have no business being with all because of insecurities or not not be having a void that you're looking to fill. so what that tells for me honestly is that you have a void because if you need to be touched and like to the point where it literally supersedes any other belief that you may have then it means yeah, that you have a void yeah, that something needs to, void. yeah, right. you have an insecurity, you have something that needs to be touched by God or something that needs to be altered. And ain't nothing wrong with therapy. Okay. Cause Jesus and therapy saved my life. It ain't just Jesus by himself, oh, you know? True, so, true. um, you have to just be able to dig deep and find out why you're having those desires and those feelings and making sure that they're valid. Because a lot of times it comes from, we just don't want to be alone or we don't want to feel alone or we just want to be valued. And we put value in another person. And if, this person wants to be with me or if this person wants to have sex with me, they mean they finds me, they find me attractive. Yeah, yeah. And we always want to, we want to feel attractive. No one wants to feel unattractive. You see what I'm saying? Like, so it's just, there are different, it's so many layers to a reason why somebody can go down that path, but it ultimately comes down to, for me, are you whole within yourself so, right, at that right. point? And yeah. where is that coming from? Wow. That definitely, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Because I remember how I remember how it felt in that period of, you know, not trying to touch nothing. And um all it did was make me um indulge in other issues. Like I became greedy, um, mm-hmm. you know, day in, day out, money, 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 money. Um, everything that I was programmed to believe that got me more sex, I overindulged in without even knowing it. So now I got all this money. I'm dressing nice. I'm fresh. I smell good. Everything that attracts more, the more. Yeah, you know. And um, I never really tried to find a spiritual base, 
even an abstinence because I felt like Mm -hmm. that's not even what I called it. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So it wasn't like I even looked to balance myself out to have just enough of all of the good and then indulge in some of my wants and needs simultaneously. So I really didn't do any soul searching in that period. But um, the one thing that I can say that not touching anybody did was make me realize that it was some people who even in sin weren't worth my sinning. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Like Ooh, you were not what? even worth what That's I heard right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. And when you accept that, like, um, I look back at like some of the girls I dated and this may be whatever you want to call it, sexist, whatever, but it's how I felt. Like, yeah. um, I dated some women I were not, I was not attracted to. Um, I dated some women who I knew came from some very interesting for lack of better word, backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the figurative ghetto east side chick. Hey, or, hey, hey. Why I gotta be the east side? Why can't she be ghetto west side chick? Because, because <laughs> the thing is, ghetto west side and ghetto east side is different. <sighs> for some. Like you say, for some. You know, there is a distinctive um, trait to east side versus west oh, side gosh. when it comes to Detroit. And you know it. I don't agree. And maybe because I am from the east side of Detroit. You are just that 1%. <laughs> Lies. That it's more are, of me. I know him. I'm pretty. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll say, well, I'll give you 10% because I done been, I perused through the east side and it is some stranger things on the east side of Detroit. Like, it's just what it is. I'm not saying that the west side is better. I just say, maybe it's my comfort level. That I'm, that I'm referring to because my comfort level is that the West Side just presents itself a lot different. But like there were so many different women that I experienced that I realized you were not worth sinning for. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like I think that's what it was. It was just like taking the time to get to know other things that mm-hmm. were more important to me than those experience with people who weren't even worth the experiences. And that kind of helped me to get you know, back realign with my goals. Um, mm-hmm. It actually made my friendships a lot better because my friendships were always subsided when I was in a relationship because, of course, I'm the friend who has a multitude of women friends. Mm-hmm. So I could never just call up the women friends and say, let's hang out because I'm with this insecure significant other mm-hmm. that sees my friends to be if not attractive, more attractive than she feels she is. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's all of these different things that are coming out in these experiences. So, it's it's hard for it's hard for men to accept abstinence for. I agree. What it's intended to be for. It's mm-hmm. hard for men to because I think that so much expectation is placed on men, regardless of, as to whether or not they're doing anything sexual or not. Because you're still going to be responsible for the catering. You're still going to be responsible for the courtship. Mm-hmm. There's things that you're never going to get a day off from. So in your mind as a man, because you haven't had a way to channel those feelings, you think that because you've done all of this, this is what you are standing to gain anyway. And you just want something for what you're putting out. Yeah. And you have to find constructive ways to channel those feelings because- being a good guy is to simply be gratitude or gratifying enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just being a gentleman, being a man of God should be gratifying enough. Yeah. But of course you have to know what that means 
in order to extract the gratuity from it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that definitely makes sense. I just hope that for people who are struggling with the church that, you know, that has those sexual feelings, desires, or addictions, that you know that there are some places that you can go to find spiritual help in regards to that. And salute to you for also mentioning that you did incorporate therapy. Yeah, in that therapy process is too. real. I think um, a couple things. I think we we have to go back and change the mold. So when mm-hmm. you're talking about like when you're talking about as a man, it reminds me of just the stories I've heard and just the general generalization of when you're younger, you're almost mm-hmm. it's almost looked as a conquest and an accomplishment. Yeah, you yeah. know, so it's handled very differently. But if we handle conversation with men differently younger about sex and what it really means and the value in it then maybe it'll shift how things are now yeah and i'm not putting it just on the man believe me because me and i am a firm believer and men only do what a woman has allowed them to do mm. so um even within that we both gotta first we need to be able to shift the conversation with a man and then we need to be able to shift the conversation with a woman of value. Yeah. And what does that really mean? Yeah, that is, that is something that I will say is true because if, if he hurts you by taking advantage of you sexually, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have happened had not you had sex with him. Yeah. So I get it. Like I get that. That makes sense. I really don't want people to, to struggle as much as I believe I did. Yeah to um to figure out mm-hmm. that sex is just humanity it's not a it's not a direct connection to who you are or who you potentially can become yeah spiritually you just have to know how to navigate those feelings just like you have to learn how to navigate your spirituality cuz it's going to be a test of both and sometimes your tests come at the same time so you can you easily you can easily confuse those feelings yeah, I think so. I think um, therapy is important mm-hmm. um, if it's needed. I think in a black community, it's becoming more prevalent and more like in your face yeah. because we're told, just pray about it. You'll be all right. Yeah. But sometimes you've went through things that may cause you to have like, I'm real. Everything is connected, you mm-hmm. know, so you could be reacting to something now at 35, 36 years old that happened to you at seven. Right, but because right. you don't even recognize, you're not able to make those connections, then you're not able to deal with them and move past them. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I think therapy is really important for introducing to you a thought process that helps you dig deeper. Okay. And right, to address right. those issues right. and concerns. Yeah. And I mean, like, and I was a person that was like, mm, whatever, I don't need therapy for real. I'm good. But it wasn't until I had a very, very like traumatic experience in my life. And I was left trying to pick up the pieces that I was just like, I need help trying right, to figure this right. out. Like, cause I'm trying to do it on my own. Me and Jesus, we sitting here kicking it, but um, apparently Jesus ain't it. <laughs> Jesus like, get your butt up and go to therapy. Right. So I found me a black therapist, a mm-hmm. woman um and we kick it like it ain't it's not even like is we just kick it and we talk and she she helps me invoke thought right you know to the point now where i'm not in therapy anymore because she told me i was good but like i mean that two years that i was in therapy was very helpful for me you know so um just from a conversation of invoking thought and being able to think about it because it 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 created a platform for me to have ask myself different questions of why I was reacting the way I was reacting. Why was I feeling what I was feeling? Was that valid? Where was that coming from? Mm-hmm. To dig deeper to address those issues so you can be at peace with a lot of things that happened as a kid or right. when you were younger. Oh, wow. Yeah. So therapy is where it's at. 
Definitely. I, I, I know I need to go. I'm mm-hmm. trying to like find somebody that I can, you know, relate to, kind of screen and, hmm. you know, see what kind of things that I can, you know, pull out of this. I don't know what they call it. This network of people yeah. within my health benefits, but it's taken me a little bit of time to get that squared away. But what I definitely is- feel like I need to do it. Yeah, yeah, let me know. I I know a couple of um younger black men. Oh, dope, mm-hmm. dope, dope. So, I really appreciate you, ma'am, for you know dropping all of these gems on me today. You know, no problem. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. This was really good. This is really good. But one last question to kind of end the show. Okay, is one of the things that women should strive for in their pursuit when they talk to God? Should they pursue being sexy? Is it okay to be sexy? As a Christian woman in church, is that something that you can go to God and say, I want more of sexy? Uh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, God made us. Let's be very clear. (laughs) And sex appeal is something that he made us with. Right. So I think when you're overutilizing it to compensate for other things, it's not healthy. But I think a healthy dose of sex appeal, every woman should have. Right. There right. is nothing wrong with the sensual. I love being a woman. There is nothing wrong with the sensuality of being a woman. Mm-hmm. Embracing that. So I feel like it's just a part of embracing who you are. Yeah. So how you use it is a whole other it. conversation. And how you let others use it. Absolutely. Right. You know, the re- that's the reason why I asked the question, because I think that we tend to use um, sex appeal against women when it's something inevitable. I think they all have something that can be deemed as sexy, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, it's not a bad thing at all. I remember how they, um, kind of slandered, uh, Erica Campbell for a, um, that white cover. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see, I didn't personally see sex appeal when I saw the picture, even though it was considered to be a more sexier Mm -hmm. Erica Campbell. I just saw that she looked nice in this white fitted dress. Yeah. She can't hide curves that she can't, she can't do nothing with them. They're there. Like the woman got a small village at home. Let's yeah. be clear. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it is. Yeah. So I remember like how that kind of was an issue. And then like women like Megan Good, who um is sexualized because of the industry that she mm-hmm. makes money out of, it like lessens her worth to the church. And oh, she's supposed to put on a turtleneck and some, you know, some pants now that she's married to a minister. Like I think that it's okay to be a sexy woman of God. I think that that's okay and that's fair. Like, just because I am a woman of God, just because I am a Christian, because I will assume to be a minister, like, does not mean that my sex appeal disappears. Does not mean the things that make me a woman disappear. It's about how you manage those things. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it doesn't even come down to that because where's your relationship with God at? Because all those people that are making those comments, where are you in relationship to God? Are Mm -hmm. you just judging from the outside? But Where's relationship at? Like, cause it comes down to it. God encourages relationship. That's all he wants us to have. And if you have that, then all of these other things that you're paying attention to that you think are more important, it goes away because mm-hmm. you recognize that everything that matters is on the inside. Mm. Like I remember, and I'll, and I'll end here. Okay. Do you remember that video that was going around a few years ago was about, it was the female cypher and it was like a whole bunch of women Christian rappers. Yeah, I do remember so that. So it was dope as all get out. Mm-hmm. I literally probably still know all the lyrics by heart, but I remember showing it to the guy I was dating at the time, like really super excited. Cause I love to see like 
us being us but serving God you know what I'm saying like you can do it for the kingdom and the culture at the same time right you know and I remember showing it to the guy I was dating he was like well she got tattoos and she like I'm like but why are you focusing like do you not hear the message like we have to be who we are to reach the people that are in our generation right right. we're not gonna reach them being our parents being our grandparents Mm -hmm. with a whole bunch of mitts in your purse and church hats on we're not gonna reach them that way Mm -hmm. so you have to be comfortable with who you are but knowing who you serve and knowing that that is ultimately your right. purpose right so like and i remember looking at him like why does that even matter yeah like why is that what you saw immediately why did you go straight to judgment yeah because i think that those things like the tattoos and the different um decisions that we make in certain areas of our life is what leverages the conversation because it shows that person you're ministering to oh you've had a walk or you've had a circumstance absolutely just like me and we have to look back at those tattoos and those things that we've done that we may not be proud of right now mm-hmm. where we are, but those decisions to make those decisions back then and say, well, look, this is what made me do what I did. And maybe you can help somebody who's battling whether or not I'm going to get my my hood tattooed on me or my, yeah. you know, whatever, like whatever your issue is, it just makes you humble before the people you're having you're having mm-hmm. these conversations with. Yeah. So it's still, I mean, we got a long way to go still, we you do. know what I'm saying? But I mean, just these conversations like the one we have, you know, we have had already is going to help people to understand that there's nothing wrong with being sexy and Christian is it's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. I think that Christians want sexy partners. Like even if you are in I church, do. Hold on. I know I do, <laughs> you know, so get your life in a proper perspective so that you can acquire the things that you actually want. So challenge yourself to find out who you are spiritually and sexually so that you can get to the destination a lot quicker. Oh man, we are at um hour and 30 minutes. So I guess we could stop here. Thank you again for, you know, coming through and sharing all of this pertinent information. No, you no. don't have any like social media that you're willing to share. You got personal stuff. So I have personal. I mean, if you want to follow me on Instagram, because you just curious to know who I am, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Instagram. <laughs> Give your Instagram. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at I exude underscore me. I E X U D E underscore M E. I'm going to talk to her off air about this uh, podcast that she was supposed to be doing. Oh, that girl pod- that girl podcast is coming. Oh, all right. All right. It's coming soon. So I definitely um use my platform to share light on her platform so that you can definitely get more in tune and understand where she's going with the, the schooling, the education and the seminary school. Just the woman that I know that she is, which is a very dope individual. So, again, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you guys again in two weeks. Peace. Bye. It's almost like I'm addicted to your amazing grace. Your glow just keep me in a daze. Made me want to raise my hands and stomp my feet. I could meditate in your temple for weeks. You bring out the best in me. Angelic gifting, forever giving your all in all. You evidently like heaven with it. That's why I call. I know your doors is always open. That's if I'm ready. I'm grateful that I was chosen. And I'm hoping I can come off in your sanctuary. Cruising. Body like a sanctuary, yeah.